Welcome back to the Young Buck Bets Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Kelly, and another week of the NFL season is in the books. It was another kind of weird one. There were some weird results. I maybe didn't do so great, but it's in the books nonetheless. We're one day late because we've been celebrating with our one and only and our favorite guest, my brother, Ryan Kelly. It was his birthday yesterday, so everyone go wish him a happy belated. But I will say that on his birthday, on Monday, we absolute or I guess on his birthday celebration on Monday we bet completely irresponsibly on the Rams money line and I'm not trying to point any fingers of whose fault it was I'm pretty easy to influence it may have been Ryan's fault not gonna point any fingers though (laughs) but it is Tuesday so what I will be doing in today's episode as always I'm gonna recap my gambling picks from this week in the NFL I'm going to look ahead to week 11 in the NFL. I'm going to throw some hot takes your way. I'm going to recap how the Leafs have been doing since our, since we last talked. I got a lot to talk about in this podcast, and it's going to be a good one, as always, like it is on Tuesday. My picks, I'm going to dive right into it. My picks were almost no good after being 7-3 and three in weeks 8 and 9. I finished 1-3 this week. The dog of the week was, I won one and lost one this week, but... I mean, I won one. Dog of the week, I believe, is now eight and three on the season. And when I say I believe, I mean I know because I keep track of it. Eight and three on the dog of the week on the season. And that segment, like I always say, that segment prints money. And you cannot argue against it. It prints money. And I absolutely love picking the dog of the week. So let's dive into these picks and see how bad I really was this week. I'll start out with my alternative alternative point spread parlay that I put out and I had the Cowboys at minus seven versus Atlanta and the Colts at minus seven and a half versus Jacksonville as the parlay and the uh, Cowboys absolutely dominated they dummied the Falcons it was 43 to three as a final it was 36 to three for the Cowboys at halftime and I never really had to worry about it it was stress-free stress-free gambling for the Cowboys at minus seven but like That leg of the parlay hit. Quick QB comparison here. Matt Ryan was 9 for 21 for 117 yards and two interceptions. Dak Prescott, 24 of 31 for 296 yards and two touchdowns. Dak didn't play the whole fourth quarter, mind you. And ATL, like Atlanta literally ran the ball most of the second half to keep the clock rolling so they could get the hell out of there, which I have almost never seen before. Like you're down by that much and your quarterback only threw the ball 21 times. They ran the ball a ton. They wanted to get out of there as soon as they realized that they were getting slapped by the Cowboys and they were down 36 to 3 at the half. But the Colts, on the other hand, the Colts are absolutely dead to me in terms of gambling. Will I maybe tune into one or two of their games because they're kind of entertaining? Yes, but in terms of gambling, the Colts are dead to me. They were up 17-0 early and they were up 20 to 9 at the half. And we looked like we were going to cash a parlay before we even really started drinking on Sunday. Like if we just had cash a parlay before one o'clock or before the four o'clocks even started, we were going to be set up and primed for a huge weekend. But instead, the Colts absolutely just they lost it in the second half. They completely fell apart and they were 0-3 in the second half in the red zone and they only put up three points all second half. And I'll give a list of Indianapolis's drives starting with a minute and five left in the second quarter. There was four plays, punt. They held the ball for 29 seconds and got 10 yards. Three plays, punt. Minute 41 seconds, time of possession, six yards. Five plays, punt. Three minutes, 36 seconds, 11 yards. Three plays, punt. Two minutes and 10 seconds, minus three yards. 11 plays, field goal, five minutes and six seconds, 64 yards. They 
had four drives in a row where they totaled 15 plays, gained 24 yards, punted four times against Jacksonville, and that was majority all in the second half. It was so tough to watch. That just cannot happen when you have a team to cover by seven and a half, no matter who they're playing. They can't go four drives, 15 plays, 24 yards, four punts. That's just, uh, they're a way better team than that, but really, are they? Carson Wentz struggles, struggles to say the least. Um, Jacksonville got a late touchdown plus a two-point conversion to make it a four-point game, so he really needed an Indianapolis touchdown to cover, and all they could do was kick a field goal. And like I said, you really just won't catch me betting on the Colts spread anytime soon because this one really hurt. I Like I said, they were up 29 and a half. I thought they were going to win. They end up losing. It was a really tough one to lose, and that lost us that parlay. So we were 0-1 to start. My next loss was the Raiders' money line at plus 125 versus the Chiefs on Sunday night. This one wasn't even close, but I ended up tweeting out touchdown scores on the Young Buck Bets Twitter account at Dylan Kelly Show, and we hit on Hunter Renfro plus 175 anytime touchdown early, which helped us with the L's. But like I don't know, it, it was it was a little bit of an okay, like a little bit of a icing on the cake. But at the same point, I don't know. It really it was a bad enough weekend that it didn't matter. The final score was 41 to 14 for the Chiefs, and they absolutely dominated this game. Mahomes looked great going 35 of 50 for 406 yards and five touchdowns. But the turning point in this one was when Deshaun Jackson fumbled the ball after making a 40 yard catch, and all he had to do was run straight. I tweeted, What the hell was this man doing? Catches the ball, starts galloping. He looked like a one-year-old trotter at Kortha Downs who just broke. He ran every way but straight. He's running around. He's looking around anywhere but the end zone. He fumbles. That was the TSN turning point of the game, and you can't convince me otherwise. Deshaun Jackson, you lost that game, and even the Las Vegas Raiders coach called you out for it. Sorry, Deshaun. That's what happens when you make a play like that. I don't know what he was doing. Um... I, even like like I said, the Raiders head coach threw Jackson under the bus after the game. And once again, the bright lights were shining on Derek Carr. And he showed what he truly is, going 25 of 35 for 261 yards and a costly interception. And he's just mediocre. He's not a guy that's going to win you games, especially in big primetime games like this when the lights are on him. And he's not going to win you games week in and week out. And this is why I was so against and so mad at people for calling this guy an MVP candidate when, I don't know, it was so early in the season. Everyone's like, Derek Carr throwing for 400 yards a game. This guy's an MVP. This guy's an MVP. I was one of the only people that I could think of that was saying, no chance does Derek Carr even finish close to the conversation as an MVP. Like, why are you guys trying to make this man better than he is? He is just, he is what he is. He's Derek Carr. When the bright lights shine, you see how soft that guy really is. And all in all, it was another loss because I was on the Raiders plus 125 on the money line and they lost 41-14. But we got some money back with the Hunter Renfro, Hunter Renfro plus 175 anytime touchdown. And I'll go to a win now because I need some positivity. I've talked about enough losses. And I was on the Vikings plus 145 on the money line versus the Chargers. Uh, Minnesota won 27-20. And I told you guys that I absolutely love this pick just because of the pure stats. And I hated going against my boy Justin Herbert and the Chargers. But this one seemed very, very obvious to me that Minnesota was going to do exactly what they did. And I will talk about it right now. Now, so cash the 145 on the plus 145 on the money line, and the Chargers have completely fallen off a cliff here these last like what four or five weeks. They were like four and one or four and two. I, they are brutal 
lately. They have some problems on offense, especially when they can't get the ball to Mike Williams, which is what they haven't been able to do the last two or three weeks, and they really struggle when they can't get that deep ball to Mike Williams. But they're on defense, they are an absolute mess. This is one of the best games they like that they've had where they stopped the run, and they still allowed over 100 yards rushing while also allowing Justin Jefferson to go off for nine catches and 143 yards, showing they can't stop the passing game as well. And they did that last week, too, where the number one receiver for whoever they played last week, he went off, too. So they can't stop the run. They can't stop the number one receiver. They can't stop anything. And I told you on on Friday when I made this pick, Minnesota is going to run the ball down their throat, and they're going to hold on. They're going to go on long, long drives. And let me tell you about the Minnesota time of possession and plays compared to the Chargers. Minnesota time of possession, 36 minutes and 15 seconds. The Chargers time of possession, 23 minutes and 45 seconds. Minnesota total plays, 72. The Chargers total plays, 55. So the strength of this Charger team is the offense, but the D is so bad that they just can't get on the field. They're only on the field for 23 minutes and 45 seconds. It's hard to make an impact when you're only running 55 plays a game on offense. And Kirk Cousins played good in this one. He was 25 for 37, 294 yards, two touchdowns, and he did have a fumble early in the game, but it was actually kind of funny. His own O-lineman hit his arm as he was trying to throw. It was a fumble. The Vikings only have six uh, turnovers on the season now, and one of them's a friendly fire fumble. It was I was laughing, but when you're gambling on the Vikings at the time of the game, it was it was frustrating to watch. Like, get out of the way, pal! I was... <laughs> I was pretty mad. The biggest play in this game was a big touchdown to Ty Conklin with two minutes and 33 seconds left in the third quarter. That was actually on fourth and goal. And that was the play of the game that put many up 2017. And they, they never looked back after that. Um, So cast the ticket, Minnesota plus 145 on the money line. And we were one and two plus a TD score hit going into the Monday nighter where I was on the Rams minus three and a half over four, over the 49ers. And this game was just weird to me. Um, right off the bat, when Matt Stafford starts it with off with like an arm punt, like <laughs> first drive, he just arm punts it 60 yards down the field. And it was just like, uh oh, what's going to go on here? And after they went down seven nothing, the Rams did. Ryan and I both proceeded to bet heavily and irresponsibly on the Rams money line at plus 110. And what a brutal choice that was. Jimmy G just played like how he should in the 49ers uh, offense. Like they don't really have to rely on a quarterback. They rely on the run game and a lot of different other things to win games. And he was 15 for 19, 182 yards, two touchdowns. I don't know. San Francisco also rushed the ball for 156 yards and they really just controlled this game from start to finish, which was kind of shocking against the Rams. So we obviously, I don't know, we lost our bet on the card minus three and a half and me and Ryan Lost a good chunk of change on the plus 110 money line live bet that we put down on the Rams once they were down 7 nothing. But there was the full gambling recap. It wasn't a very busy week in terms of the gambling, but there was the full gambling recap. And before I get into the look ahead, let me just look, or let me just talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs because these boys, would no matter what anybody else in the league says, these boys are rolling right now. Since we've talked, on Friday, they won 2-1 in overtime versus Calgary. On Saturday, they won 5-4 against Buffalo. Joseph Wool was in net, and that's a great team W when a guy from the minors comes up and starts. 5-4 win against W or a 5-4 win against Buffalo on Saturday. And they shut out Minnesota or Nashville, sorry, 3-0 last night. Jack Campbell plays good once again. And they've now won nine of their last 10 games. They're 11 5 and 1 and sit in second place in the Atlantic division behind Florida with 23 points. The big boys have really stepped up here over the last 10 games and like just just watching the game, the quality, the way they're playing, not just points, not just production, the quality of play, the way that they're out, they're playing, they're actually woke up. They got their feet under them. They got their legs under them again. They are playing up 
to their contracts right now and producing at a great clip to boot. Tavares has 15 points in 16 games. Nylander has 16 points in 17 games. Matthews has 14 points in 14 games. And Marner has 15 points in 17 games. And on top of the big boys producing, they're getting a pretty good role from Morgan Riley and Alex Kerfoot. They both have 11 points in 17 games. And guys like David Camp and Andre Cash, Cash, I don't know how they say it. They say it different, I feel like, every time on every single broadcast. But they have a huge impact in my mind as well. Because they're basically, I mean, in my opinion, they're obviously at a lower level because he is very good. They are Zach Hyman. They are two third-line Zach Hyman. They're guys that are going to go in there. They work hard. They throw their body around. They get the puck. They got a little bit of offensive skill to finish. I think they both have seven or eight points. They are good players. Those are guys, in my opinion, that help you win, especially come playoff time because they bring it not only just every night. They bring it every single shift, and that's what you need in the playoffs. They're a great third-line I love those two. They've been great additions. I didn't really know who they were coming into the season, and they've been absolutely great additions. I love them. And the Leafs just also acquired uh, Kyle Clifford yesterday, and I'm not 100% sure if he's actually going to play. He was just getting sent down to the minors when the Leafs traded um, for him from St. Louis. But I'm going to assume that they're going to slot him in the lineup instead of maybe like Pierre Engvall or Nick Ritchie. But Nick Ritchie has been brutal, and I'm wondering if they think that Kyle Clifford can't come in and play the role that Nick Ritchie can, where he's a little bit tougher, a little bit whatever. I just think, Nick Ritchie has been brutal, and he kind of reminds me of the Jimmy VC experiment that the Leafs had last year, where Jimmy VC was here for, I don't know, 20 games or so, and then we traded him away because it just was not working out. Jack Campbell continues to play great night in and night out, and if he keeps this up for like another month or so, people are going to start saying that he's an early season Vesna candidate, no doubt in my mind. He's 9-3-1, and three shutouts, 168 goals against average, and a 9-43 save percentage. Soup! I absolutely love him. I said that in the podcast. I just want him to have more confidence in himself. In my message to Jack Campbell, I have so much confidence. I think he's one of the best goalies in the league. He's proven it two seasons in a row, especially when he's hot. He's one of the best in the league. He's proven it two years in a row. Show that confidence in yourself, Jack Campbell. And a quick shout-out to the Leafs goalie coaches over the last few seasons. I was doing some research. Jack Campbell, James Reimer, and Frederick Anderson are all part of the top four highest save percentage in the league, and they're all assuming big roles with their teams. Part of that has to be that each one of those received, like the coaching that each one of those received in Toronto, because that's the only thing that those three have in common. So, Shout out to the Toronto Maple Leafs goalie coaches, and it shows that we are in good hands in terms of goalie coaches with those three boys all stopping in Toronto, and now all be in top three in save percentage in the NHL. The Toronto Maple Leafs keep rolling, and speaking of rolling, let's roll right into the ad. If you've made it this far, thank you for listening. But let me tell you about the sponsor of this podcast, Bounty Sports, the Pick'em style daily fantasy sports website and app where you can join tournaments for as little as $1. They run tournaments in NFL, NHL, NBA, MLB, UFC, soccer, and even the PGA. Go on my Twitter at DylanKelly9797 and sign up using my link to let them know I sent you. And you get a free $5 when you sign up using my link. You could use that for five different tournaments and make absolute bank. Bounty Sports. Pick quick, win big. All right, so we are back. And I have put out a a poll on Twitter because I'm going to do something new if you guys want it. And the poll on Twitter is, how do you want me to preview the Thursday night 
Sunday night and Monday night football games in the future. Because as you know, I always have TD scores ready for those games. So maybe putting out separate videos or going live or something would be something you would want to see. So the poll is live. Go vote now at Dylan Kelly Show on Twitter. And the options are either on the podcast, live on Instagram or YouTube, or videos across all of my social pages. So go give it a vote. Go let me know what you guys want to see for the primetime games, the Thursday night, Sunday night, and Monday night football games. Because like I said, I always have TD scores and props and stuff locked and loaded for those games. So if you guys want to see a little bit more of what I do gambling-wise, let me know. Go vote on Twitter at Dylan Kelly Show. But for now, let's hop right into the games on Sunday, just in case that you guys vote that you want to see videos for the Thursday night and Sunday night and Monday night games this week. So starting on Sunday, it's the Bills versus the Colts. The Bills are seven and a half point favorites. They're minus 330 on the money line. Colts are plus 255 on the money line and the over-under set at 50. And it's funny that we're talking about the Colts because they are dead to me. And both these teams have been weird, weird lately. I've lost I've lost kind of faith in both teams, but in the Colts, after not covering the alternative point spread last week especially, they've actually both just had brutal weeks against Jacksonville. It's kind of very weird now that I think about it. I didn't write that in the notes, but it's very weird now that I think about it. And I may lean just the over 50 in this game, but even that is a little bit sketchy to me in this one. I may look at the Bills' alternative point spread in a parlay if I can get it at like minus 3.5 instead of 7.5 or maybe minus 4 if Betway offers that, but... For now, I would tell you in the Bills and Colts game, the only thing that I would maybe lean, and they're kind of sketchy leans, are is like the Bill or sorry, the over under uh, over 50. The next game is the Washington football team versus the Carolina Panthers. The Carolina Panthers are favored by three and a half. They're minus 185 on the money line. And Washington football team is plus 155 on the money line. The over under is 43. Cam Newton is back. I don't know if you've heard. I don't know, like it, it didn't really make many headlines, but Cam Newton is back and both teams are coming off of impressive wins Carolina over Arizona and Washington football team over Tampa Bay so this one is kind of tough to read and tough to cap if I was being honest in my opinion so I do think I'd be comfortable going with Carolina at minus three and a half here with McCaffrey back and Newton there to help in the red zone Carolina's D is overall better than Washington football team Washington football team just lost Chase Young for the season and I do think that Cam Newton makes a big enough impact in the red zone to help Carolina win some games especially against teams like the Washington football teams so I don't know I would I would lean the minus 185 money line for the Panthers uh minus three and a half on the spread for the Panthers as well I would lean all over the Panthers over the Washington football team in that one. The next game is the Ravens versus the Bears, and the Ravens are favored by six points. They're minus 265 on the money line. The Bears are plus 210 on the money line, and the over-unders set at 45. And this one seems so intriguing to hop on the Ravens at minus six, but they've just burned me, I feel like, so many times already this season when I gamble on them that I just don't know if I could bring myself to do it. Like, it's just... They've burned me, like, three or four different times in three or four different weeks on parlays and by themselves. I just... I can't get a read on him. I feel like nobody can. I feel like I'm not the only one that's getting burned by the Ravens all year this season. So I don't know if I'm going to be able to bring myself to do it. I'm assuming the stats will just scream to take the Ravens in this one. And I do kind of like the over 45, but the Bears would have to put up some points for it to hit, which is kind of far from guaranteed. They've showed that they just, they've had some brutal games this year where they don't score very much at all. So the over 45 might be in jeopardy in that case. But once again, a sketchy, sketchy lean is the Ravens minus six. A more confident lean would be the over 45 in the Ravens and Bears game. The Lions and Browns wasn't on Betway. 
yet. And it's, uh, but that's obviously lean the Browns. I know the Lions didn't lose last week, but they also didn't win. And I said that they're not going to win a game the rest of the season. I don't see them beating the Browns. But moving on, it's not on Betway, so I can't talk about the line. The next game is the 49ers at the Jacksonville Jaguars. The uh, 49ers are six point favorites. They're minus 285 on the money line. Jacksonville's plus 225 on the money line, and the over-under is set at 45. <clears throat> Sorry about that. I had to clear the throat. The Jaguars have played well over the last two weeks, beating Buffalo 9-6, only losing to Indy by six and shutting them down in the second half. So they've had two really good weeks in a row here. But San Francisco just seems to have another level right now that the I don't think the Jags do. Um, it's a short week for San Francisco, yes, but I do think that the Monday game was absolutely huge for that team, and I do think that they continue to roll after gaining that confidence from beating the Rams on Monday night, and they absolutely roll over Jacksonville on Sunday. So my early leans for that game would be 100% the 49ers at minus 6 or on the money line at minus 285 as a parlay piece. I would probably lean more closer to the money line as a parlay piece rather than minus six. The next game I got is Green Bay versus Minnesota. Green Bay is two and a half point favorites, minus 135 on the money line. Minnesota's plus 115 on the money line, and the over-under is at 49. And this one is going to be an absolutely great game to watch. I'm not really confident. I know Aaron Jones is not going to play. A.J. Dillon is a very good replacement in that sense. Um, I do think Green Bay wins. I do think that they cover... But taking this is very sketchy if you're taking Green Bay minus two and a half. Think about it. It's by a field goal. What does Green Bay have the most problems doing this season? Kicking field goals. Mason Crosby seems to can't he can't make anything, and he's missed so many field goals this season since week five. Let me read the stat. He's attempted 14 field goals, and he's only made eight. I don't know everyone remembers that game against Cincinnati. He had a game where he went over two. They could lose this game, or you could lose the spread just on Mason Crosby's leg alone. So early lean for that game, Green Bay and Minnesota, would probably be Minnesota spread or Green Bay money line. I know I just hedged both ways, but if the spread moves to Green Bay minus 3.5, minus 4.5, you will catch me all over the Minnesota Vikings. There's my recap for that game. Miami versus the New York Jets is next, and the Miami Dolphins are three-point favorites, minus 180 on the money line. Uh, Jets are minus or plus 150 on the money line. The over/under set at 45, and this is the mine and Ryan's special "Who Cares" game of the week. And I don't even want to talk about this one. I don't want to break it down, so I'm not. So I'm moving on to the next one. The next one, the Eagles are taking on the Saints, and the Eagles are favored favored by one and a half. They're minus 120 on the money line. The Saints are plus 100 on the money line, and the over/under set at 43. And my mind screams, New Orleans, New Orleans, New Orleans. And I do think, and I, I I have given the Eagles credit all season long, saying that they've been playing up to expectations, but they've had a tough schedule. I do just think that New Orleans is better. And guess what? This game is a pick em. And often when it in a pick em, it comes down to coaching and game plans. And I'll take Sean Payton over Nick Sirianni any day of the the week, whether you want to go New Orleans money line, New Orleans spread plus one and a half, it doesn't matter. I even like the over 43 in that game. If you're going on New Orleans and you're going on the over, I'm probably with you all day long. That one will be broken down on Friday, I would assume. The next one is the Houston Texans versus the Tennessee Titans. And the Titans are 10 point favorites, minus 480 on the money line. Texans are uh, plus 360 on the money line and the over under set at 44 and a half. 
And this screams Houston backdoor cover to me, especially because the Titans don't have Derrick Henry to run the ball out. But I am confident enough to take... I, I'm, am I confident enough to take the Texans at plus 10? I don't think so. I'm more confident in taking the Titans alternative point spread here, maybe like minus six and a half, minus seven instead of the full minus 10. So that's kind of where I'd lean. I'm going to probably have this in a parlay where the Titans are minus six and a half, minus seven on a parlay because just without Derrick Henry, I don't think they can control the ball well enough to win by 10 points. And you know what? I will just say, I'll break this down because some people have actually questioned me and be like, you just bet favorites, you just bet favorites. And you're, you know what? Oftentimes, you are right. I mean, I do have a dog of the week segment and I do pick a lot of underdogs, but I do enjoy betting favorites in terms of like, I'd rather pick an alternative point spread favorite to cover than the dog to cover the actual spread. If that makes sense to you, it should, if you're a better, I like, I'd rather bet on a good team to win and like to, especially to win games that they're supposed to just like the Titans versus the Texans here, rather than hope for the Texans to have a good day or hope for a backdoor cover. I prefer identifying the dogs with the most chance of winning outright rather than the dogs with the most chance of covering. I am eight and three on the dog of the week, which is picking outright dogs. So maybe I have found a good little formula in that sense, but that's just what I prefer. And there's just more value in picking the dog, like identifying the dogs that have the more like outright chance of winning rather than just underdogs that are going to cover. That's kind of where I find the value and that's where I find that I make my money. So there, if you're wondering why I only pick favorites on the alternative point spread rather than picking the dog to cover, that's kind of my look into my brain right there. Next game is the Bengals versus the Raiders. And they don't have a spread up on Betway for this one, which is a little bit weird. Bengals are minus 120 on the money line. Raiders are plus hundred or yeah, plus hundred and the over under set at 49 and a half. And I'd probably lean the Bengals either way. I don't know what the spread is, but I'd probably lean the Bengals coming off the bye week here. The Raiders have lost two weeks in a row, scoring 30 points combined in those two games. And it seems like all of the off the field, like shit, for lack of a better term, has caught up to them here. And I think this has been the start of a free fall for them. And I think we're just going conti- like, to watch them continue to free fall. The Bengals got to, got to regroup last week after the bye week. And I think they come out hot and they win on Sunday. I do think Jamar Chase has a big game as well. And this one is going to be the game of the week. And it's the Chiefs versus the Cowboys. The Chiefs are two and a half point favorites. They're minus 140 on the money line. Cowboys are plus 120 on the money line. And the over-under is set at 56. Like, dude, what? What? No way in hell am I am I not betting on the Cowboys money line here. Probably heavily and irresponsibly betting on the Cowboys money line here. I can't see a reason in hell why the Chiefs would be favorites here. It's I feel like the Arizona Cardinals coach, just a little bit different. The Chiefs have one good week. If you want to crown them, then crown their ass. That's how I feel about that. I don't understand why the Chiefs are favorite. I don't know. I'm gonna that one is gonna get broken down on Friday. I'm already worked up about it. I'm gonna beat a sweat rolling down my nose. I'm already worked up about it. I'm gonna be on the Cowboys money line on Friday. I might just hop on it now just in case the line jumps the other way. And the next game is another interesting one too. It's the Arizona Cardinals versus the Seattle Seahawks. The Cardinals are two and a half point favorites, minus 130 on the money line. Seahawks are plus 110 on the money line and the over-under set at 49. And there's lots of question marks in this one. Kyler Murray, D-Hop, Russ. I don't don't know. That leads me to probably stay off like the spreads and the money lines in this one. But I will say the one thing that I do like is the under 49. Arizona is five and five hitting the over over under and Seattle is one and eight in the over under 49 is a big number for two teams that have hit the over six times in 19 games combined. 
I would probably lean the under 49 in the Arizona Cardinals and Seattle Seahawks game. There's nothing posted for the Steelers and Chargers game yet. I'm assuming that's because Claypool is out and Big Ben's out. So I'm assuming they just don't know. They want to see if they're going to be back. And the Monday night football, uh, I'll do it quickly, but I'll be on touchdown scores. Tampa Bay versus the New York Giants. Tampa Bay is 10.5 point favorites, minus 520 on the money line. Giants plus 10.5, plus 380 on the money line. The over-under set at 49.5. I would lean the Giants plus 10.5. I know what I literally just said about alternative point spread. I would lean the Giants plus 10.5, especially if AB and Gronk don't play. Godwin's also battling a foot injury. Bucks just lost Vita Vey on D. Tampa Bay is really, really banged up right now. And in my opinion, 10.5 points is just too much here. I'd leave the Giants at plus 10.5 in that one. And the look ahead to week 11 in the NA or NFL is done. And guess what? We are translating into some hot take Tuesday, baby. You guys voted and I listened. So I am going to power rank the top 10 NHL teams. This is the top 10 NHL teams by the Young Bucks, starting at number 10 with the Las Vegas Golden Knights, who are 9-7-0 with 18 points. The Washington Capitals at number 9, 9-2-5, 23 points on the season. Number 8, the Winnipeg Jets, 9-3-3, 21 points on the season. Anaheim Ducks, number 7, 10-4-3 on the season with 23 points. Number 6, the Tampa Bay Lightning, 8, 3, and 3, 19 points on the season. Number 5, the New York Rangers, 10, 3, and 3, 23 points. Number 4, Edmonton Oilers, 11, 4, and 0 for 22 points. Number 3, my boys, the Toronto Maple Leafs at 11, 5, and 1 for 23 points. The number two, the Florida Panthers, 11, 2, and 3 for 25 points. And your number one team by the Young Buck is the Carolina Hurricanes at 12, 2, and 0 for 24 points. So to quickly rattle off the list one more time, at number 10, we got the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Number nine, the Washington Capitals. Number eight, the Winnipeg Jets. Number seven, the Anaheim Ducks. Number six, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Number five, the New York Rangers. Number four, the Edmonton Oilers. Number three, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Number two, the Florida Panthers. And number one, the Carolina Hurricanes. Chew on that. Let me know how much of an idiot I am or how much you agree with me. And if you haven't seen that before, I used to do rankings. I hadn't done done them in a couple weeks. I used to do rankings, and they have absolutely no explanation. You just sit there and get to yell at me as I'm yelling, doing the rankings, being like, you're an idiot. I don't agree. You're an idiot. And I hope that you message me on Twitter, message me on Instagram. Tell me what your list is. Tell me where I went wrong. Show me. I I mean, I don't think people are going to like that. I have the Golden Knights in there. Number 10. I don't think people are going to like that. I have the Leafs that high, but that's what I think. And we're on to more hot takes. And I talked about them earlier and I'm going to talk about it again because I think this trend continues all season longs with my boys, the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I think they will have four players with 80 or more points this season. And I'll name them Matthews, Marner, Tavares, and Nylander. Surprise, surprise that those are the four that I think will have 80 or more points. This one's real hot because I really don't remember a time in recent memory that this has happened where four players have had 80 points or more on the same team in one season. They're all on point-per-game pace as it is right now, and we can honestly see three 30-plus goal scorers as well. Wild times in Toronto when all the boys are rolling and the Kyle Dubas plan is finally kind of rolling out and playing out as he planned. This is that there's hot take number two. The Leafs have four 80 plus point getters on the roster this season. 
Matthews, Marner, Tavares, and Nylander. And this one is also random. You see it if you watch the clips. I put out clips from the podcast. You see if you watch clips, I'm wearing my Tua Tagovailoa jersey. And this one is a random out of nowhere. But it's Tua Tagovailoa gets traded to the New Orleans Saints this offseason. The Dolphins just will not commit to Tua, and he needs to go to QB school in New Orleans, just like Jameis Winston did. And I know what Tua is right now. I know where, like, I know he's not great, and I know he doesn't show that he has great mechanics, and I know he doesn't show he can win games, but hear me out. There's no reason or nothing that to show me that Tua can't have a very similar to career to Jacoby Brissett Teddy Bridgewater, Ryan Fitzpatrick, it's a, guys like that, a serviceable backup that you're somewhat confident in that that can bring, like come in to start when your quarter or when your starting quarterback is injured and a guy just like Teddy Bridgewater, just like Jacoby Brissett who are going to get a few starting gigs in their career, whether it's going to last more than a season, who knows, but that's who I see Tua being if he can get the proper coaching and I think a stop in New Orleans for a season or two under Sean Payton could really help him out tremendously. And I wonder if Miami won't look at Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston, even Trevor Simeon in a trade with New Orleans if New Orleans shows any type of interest in Tua after they get rid of their boner for Deshaun Watson. So my hot take number three is that Tua Tagovailoa goes to the New Orleans Saints in the offseason. You know what another team I could see, just thinking randomly here, that he could go to is the Los Angeles Rams. You see it really... Um, like this year with how bad Jared Goff has been. I don't know his exact stats. I think he played five quarters and had like 115 passing yards. Sean McVay and the Los Angeles Rams. Sean McVay could coach Tua and build a game plan around Tua, and Tua could look like a serviceable, good quarterback, just like Jared Goff did when Sean McVay was there. So I know I said New Orleans is the hot take, but another team I would really love to see Tua go to to really take a step forward in his career is the Los Angeles Rams. But that is all I got for you today in this one. I do think if, I mean, it's not another hot take, but I do think the Bengals and Cowboys win by 10 each, but we will talk about that more on Friday's pod where I'll break down my bets for the week as always. So until Friday, go follow the socials at Dylan Kelly Show. Tell a friend to tell a friend about the podcast, and I will see all of you beauties on Friday.